The first reading is from 2 Chronicles chapter 2. The house that I am to build will be great, for our God is greater than all gods. But who is able to build him a house, since heaven, even highest heaven, cannot contain him? Who am I to build a house for him except as a place to make offerings before him? So now send me a man skilled to work in gold, silver, bronze, and iron, and in purple, crimson, and blue fabrics, trained also in engraving to be with the skilled workers who are with me in Judah and Jerusalem, whom David, my father, provided. Send me also cedar, cypress, and algum timber from Lebanon, for I know that your servants know how to cut timber in Lebanon, and my servants will be with your servants to prepare timber for me in abundance, for the house I am to build will be great and wonderful. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is the word of the Lord. As you're able, please stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel is from the book of Matthew, um, begin in the 14th chapter. So immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret, and when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. This is the gospel of the Lord. You know, most young children tend to learn at a very young age, much before we even imagine that they can trust their parents, that they can go to them in any situation that their parents will always be there for them. When, they, when they're fearful, when they're, when they're scared, that their parents will calm them and comfort them. When they get hurt, that they'll take care of them. You know, when our boys were young, I saw this happen so quickly, and you almost can't realize how fast that bond happens. Even when they were so young, barely able to move themselves around, they knew in our presence that they, were, that they were taken care of. And the comfort warmed over them. You saw that when they cried and you went to the crib and you picked them up, that simple act calmed them down. It seemed to be almost unbelievable how quickly that happened. And I remember as, as they grew up, 
that they trusted us to help take care of them no matter what, that no matter what the situation, no matter what surprises would come, that we would be there. Then when we were fearful or when they had doubt or when they were wondering how everything was going to turn out, the fact that we were there present made a difference. Now, my boys have grown up and honestly, as you can see, they're right there. They've gotten a little bit bigger. But the truth is that doesn't seem to have changed a whole lot. Yes, they have gone on. They've done things themselves. They've moved on and they've been able to, to grow up and make decisions on their own. And I encourage that. In fact, as parents, that's our goal, right? For them to make decisions. Yet, inevitably, they still understand that regardless of the situation, that we're still going to be there for them. When they come home hurting or if something happened at school that was a bad day, that we're going to be trying to encourage them, trying to equip them with the right ways to move on. So that they know that in all times, that we're going to be there for them. That our presence matters in their lives. Now, they may not be jumping from the top of the steps like they used to into my arms, whether I was ready or not. Probably because they're almost as big as I am. But even still, they know that I'm going to fight for them. I'm going to be there by their side. And as much as they'll allow me, I'm going to do whatever's possible to hope and help them to be able to comfort it, to know what's going on in this world. And the interesting part is, we as adults, it's not any different. We've grown up. We know that there are still surprises that come. There are still situations that we face, things that we don't know are coming, challenges that we hit that tend to cause us to even have fear and doubt today. Those surprises are what cause us to really need to have that presence of someone there too. Now, this may not be our parents anymore, or it may be, but I'm talking about a different type of presence. And as we approach our text today, as we get into our passage where we witness the disciples, they're with Jesus, or they're not with Jesus yet, but they were before. And Jesus tells them to go get on the boat, to go across the sea, and he goes off by himself, as was common for Jesus to do. Especially if we take in context that this was right after the feeding of the 5,000, he might have been a little tired. So Jesus goes off and the disciples get in the boat and as the disciples are going across the sea, as the Sea of Galilee would tend to do, it gets a little rough. The wind picked up and the waves are going. Yet the disciples aren't afraid. Not like they were just a few chapters earlier when Jesus calms the storm in Matthew 8. No, this was different. They had done everything. They went into the wind. They were ready to fight this and get across, and they knew they could do it. They weren't afraid yet. All of a sudden, from a distance, they see an image coming towards them, something that shouldn't be there. For all intents and purposes, this didn't make sense to them. They, many of them were fishermen. Many of them were used to be on the sea. They knew the normal things that the, weren't, the storms could come up and those things would happen. And they were kind of prepared for that. But this was way beyond their, their preparation level. In fact, they even looked out there and they said, it must be a ghost. And as they cried out in terror, as they were fearful, as they were wondering what this new thing was, this surprise that had hit them that they were not prepared for, we see the scene change. We see something incredibly different here because they didn't really know what this was. They were terrified. And if we're being honest with one another, I don't know how I would deal with it. I mean, when was the last time you saw an image walking across the water without a boat? And these were fishermen. Some of them had been on the sea since they were little children. And this was something new. Yet, they did what we would likely do too. They cried out in fear. And then we see Jesus 
He sees this. He knows. He understands that, okay, I get this is a fearful situation. Maybe I better announce myself. And it says, Matthew says, immediately Jesus went out and called to them. It says, it is I. Take heart. Do not be afraid. And for any of us who have ever had that happen, where someone who was in more control than us, maybe someone who was more calm, said, don't be afraid. I'm here with you. This is Jesus, the one who they had witnessed calm the storm before, the one that they had seen heal people, though the one that they had seen this mighty power that they couldn't explain, but they knew what it was. You can almost sense that the calm washes over them. And we see that and we understand that because we have Peter's testimony. We have Matthew who tells us that Peter, in this words, do not be afraid. He says to Jesus, he said, Lord, if it is you, command me to walk out to you. I don't think I would have done that. If I'm being honest, I don't think I would have said, okay, let's test this in this situation with all this wind and waves. Let's see if this is you. Command me to come out to you. But Jesus, in his typical fashion, as he works to calm the minds, calm, ease the storm in their hearts, he says simply one word, come. Come. Now, I don't know if many of you have friends like this. I seem to have had more friends like this than I probably should have, but friends who would just test things. You know, this is where we get extreme sports from. The people who just have no worries about going out and doing things, have no worries about saying, yeah, I, I've seen that. I think I can do that. This hadn't been done before, and yet Peter steps out of the boat. The faith it must have taken for him to get over the top of that boat and step onto the water without the inevitable thing that we all are used to falling straight through. And yet Peter does this. He gets out of the boat. And the faith that he had to take that first step, you can almost see it, right? He's testing it. Then he takes the second step. All the while he takes more steps and his courage is, is building. He's fixated on Jesus. He sees him. He's walking towards Jesus. So far the story goes great, right? But then in the midst of this, something caused him, in the midst of all the stuff going on around it, he loses sight of Jesus for a second and looks and sees the waves coming at him. And it's at that moment we're told that he begins to sink. He begins to sink into the sea. And again, remember, Peter was the fisherman. He understood what happened in a storm like this. If you sink in the water, it's over, you're done. And he cries out, Lord, save me. And we're told again, Matthew recounts this and he says immediately he reached his hand in and took hold of him and pulled him out. Now many of you probably have heard this, this account in scripture countless times. We've heard this, we've, we've equated Peter to being faithful, we've equated Peter to being fearless, we've equated Peter to being many things. And in this moment, we see Peter losing sight and sinking. Fear has overcome his faith and trust in Jesus. And for some reason, whatever it is, even though he had made the steps before, he begins to sink. His trust had waned. But there's something else that happens in this text. There's something else that in all the times I've read it, in all the times I've poured into this, I didn't see it. 
And it stands out because Matthew uses the word immediately again. As Jesus immediately reaches down and pulls him out of the water. And the reason why this stood out to me so much is that Jesus wasn't far away. Jesus wasn't beyond reach. Jesus wasn't saying, okay, come on, come on a little further, a little further. Basically goading him on to say, all right, you've done it. Almost like we would when a child is beginning to walk. We're like, all right, we move the, move the mark, you know. Any of you done that? Just me? Okay. We move the mark and say, you got it. You can do one more step. You can do it. No, Jesus is there by his side. He's with him, not letting him fall. So close that he can reach up and pull him out of the water. This is our God. This is the God who loved Peter enough to say, okay, come. Who understood what might happen and was there to save him in the darkest times when he's sinking into the depths of the sea. Now, the interesting part about this text is we might view Jesus' words to Peter, the next words where he says, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And we might view that as harsh because after all, Peter was the only one who got out of the boat. Peter stepped out onto the water, trusted that this Jesus who had told him to come would save him, would care for him, would bring him to him. But in truth, Peter's faith did waver. Peter did lose sight of Jesus. And Jesus isn't scolding him, but instead trying to remind him of all the things that he's done before and the fact that he did in fact take a few steps. That Jesus had him, had brought him so far. And when the first sign of something that he felt he couldn't take care of, something he felt he couldn't overcome, he began to sink. His faith had shifted and he allowed fear and doubt to overcome the faith that God was putting into him to allow him to even get out of the boat in the first place. And although all of this is true, although, although we see this in Peter as, as we see it in ourselves, we often feel like we have it figured out too, don't we? Peter probably felt like he had it all accomplished and he was probably getting a little confident, right? And how many times in our lives have we gone about from one tragedy or one struggle to the next and we get out of it and things are going well and things are finally on pace and we're making each step and we're walking in, in the light of the Lord and we're getting everything figured out and all of a sudden something comes, not necessarily a wave, but gets in front of our face and distracts us, takes us away from our focus and doesn't allow us to see that Jesus is right there or even right here. And we worry about the problem in front of our face instead of the Savior who is powerful enough to bring us through it. See, as Christians, we often live our lives in half faith. Well, I'll believe so far as it fits. Well, I'll believe as long as, as long as I know for certain beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is right here. Or I'll believe when things are going well. But when things get tough, then I'm going to ask a question. God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why is this happening to me? After all, I've been there. I got out of the boat too. And there are times in our lives where we can live in our lives and have half faith and allow fear and doubt to be equal. And oftentimes fear and doubt overcome us. 
Brothers and sisters, we don't live in a life of half faith. In fact, it's not faith that we have to do on our own anyway. Our faith isn't something that we have to exercise and build up. It's not something that we grow stronger and then if I don't have enough, I guess I'm not able to do that. No, you see, our faith isn't of us. Our faith is of God. We know that when we are weak, as Paul says, that he is strong because we have a God who is faithful. Faithful in every situation, in every circumstance, in every dark time, in every stormy sea, we get to see that God is there with us, right by our side. That we can lean on him, we can trust in him. Because this is the same God who was faithful throughout all the Old Testament. Even when the Israelites strayed, even when they didn't listen, even when they went astray and did what they thought was right and avoided God, God never left them. And this same God in the New Testament reminds us continually that nothing, nothing would stand in the way of him bringing salvation to us, restoring the broken relationship that sin broke a long time ago because he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, to defeat sin, death, and the power of the devil forever. To be Emmanuel, as we talked about a few weeks ago, to be that God with us. A God who is mighty to save. A God who allows nothing to get in between him and us. This is what faith in the midst of fear is all about. Not of our own power, not of our own strength, but rather relying on the strength of God. The omnipotent God, the all-powerful God who can do anything and do all things because he loves you. And he loves me. And he does all of this. All of this so that we might know him. That we might have a relationship with him. That we might call him father. See, there's something special in that relationship of father. Something bigger than just friends. Something bigger than just an acquaintance. But instead, someone who gave us life. And will do anything to protect us from any harm and danger. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament that speaks about faith is one that comes from Hebrews 11. It says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not yet seen. See, we don't have to, tr we don't have to wonder whether God's going to be there, whether God's going to lift us up from the sea and the storms. We don't have to wonder because we have proof. We have an account in our word, in God's word, that he has given to us that he has been faithful yesterday, that he will be faithful today. And because of that, we know and trust that he will remain faithful because he is not a God who changes his character. He's not a God who changes how he loves. Instead, he loves completely. And this is what we get to share and this is the hope we have. This is even in the midst of the storms what we can rely on when we can't rely on ourselves. When we worry about all the things that we face, when we worry about that storm in front of our lives, those things that cause us to doubt, those things that cause us to sink into sin and swallow in self-pity, we can trust that in every situation we have a God who is powerful enough to lift us up and will do so because he loves us so much. May this give you hope. Even in the midst of the most difficult times in life, 
even in the midst of those storms that we face, those times that we may even now be struggling with here today, that God is with you, that God will never leave you and he's powerful and mighty to save you just as he promised through his son, Jesus. Amen? Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.